Okay, this is Arthur Bush, and you're listening to Radio Free Flint. And today we have a good show. Not that all our shows aren't good, this one's great. And for those of you that are into the history of Flint and the uh, and the old memories, so to speak, of places uh, to be, uh, you're not going to want to miss this show. I have uh, author uh, Gary Flynn, who's uh, also a former uh, columnist for the Flint Journal. And Gary has wrote numerous books about the city. And I'm going to let him talk about his work, which is fascinating. And Gary, welcome to uh, Radio Free Flint uh, broadcast. Thank you, Arthur. If you could just take a, a few minutes, you wrote several books, some, some of which uh, uh, are still in progress, one of which is still in progress. Let's start with uh, uh, the couple books that you wrote most, more recently uh, and tell us a little bit about them. Sure. Uh, the most recent book I wrote uh, came out in uh, 2017 called um, Hidden History of Flint, which like my first book, which came out in 2010, uh, Remembering Flint, Michigan Stories from the Vehicle City, feature articles I've written um, for various publications, uh, most notably The Uncommon Sense, which is an alternative paper that uh, Matt Sachs published uh, way back when, uh, which was in my first book, and uh, another alternative publication that's no longer around, Broadside, was uh, where most of the material in Hidden History of Flint uh, came out. Uh, in fact, uh, one uh, Hidden History of Flint aspect has to do with uh, two theaters that were close to each other, uh, both long gone, uh, over on uh, East First Street and Harrison. Uh, East, uh, on East First and Harrison, there was uh, Flint's first large theater, which was the first called the Music Hall, but mostly known as Stone's Opera House, and finally the Majestic Theater until it was torn down in the 1920s to make room for the Flint Journal Building. Uh, and um, just kitty corner on uh, East First Street was first called the Bijou Theater and finally the Garden Theater. Uh, that's now a site of what used to be Genesee Powers. Uh, but uh, most significant was that uh, the Marx Brothers uh, comedy group, uh, you know, Groucho, uh, uh, Chico, Zeppo, and Gummo, uh, they uh, performed at uh, both theaters. Uh, in fact, there was at the, uh, what was then called the Majestic Theater, uh, the, the old Stone's Hop House where the Flint Drill Building uh, later was built on. It was that time that all five Marx Brothers appeared on stage for what was thought to be the only time. All five, that was Groucho, Harco, Harco Zick, uh, Chico, Seppo, and Gummo. Because Seppo was the youngest of the Marx Brothers and he joined the group after uh, Gummo left. And then the old lady of what they call that building there, the old lady of Harrison, uh, old lady of Harrison Street, the Journal Building now, and we think of it as old. I don't even know if it's, it's still. I, I guess it's being used for something as uh, Michigan State or somebody. Yes, yeah, so that's now uh, the Michigan State University Med School. Yeah, uh, that's very interesting. Now, your books here document the the uh I, I don't think it would be fair to say you've just documented devolution you you in the history of flint there's been progress obviously there's been periods of time throughout our history where good things were happening right yes uh, both of the books uh talk about flint's glory days uh, 
In fact, uh, I recall a, a review of, of uh, a Central Michigan University, uh, 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 I think it was a, the reviewer was from Princeton, uh, where he talked more about uh, how I recall Flint's glory days and how some of the chapters started with remembering, like the, the, uh, the title of my first book, and how local entrepreneurs uh, of uh, varying levels of, uh, of expertise, uh, some were successful, some were not, uh, but one of the more successful, more unsuccessful uh, innovators was uh, David Buick, uh, who uh, uh, was great at building engines, but was not a good businessman. Although uh, his name still uh, is down uh, automobiles, uh, he wound up uh, uh, teaching at a trade school and not able to afford a telephone at that time, let alone a new theory. Wow. And so Flint has had, uh, a, a, you know, buildings have went down for what John Prime would call a progress of man, which would have included uh, these great theaters that were downtown to make the Flint Journal. But buildings also went down in a period of time in the Flint area to build the expressways that the city relied on so much for its economic uh, lifeblood. Can you discuss that for just a minute? Oh yes, I recall um, one uh, notable school, um, which was Roosevelt School, which was located uh, on Texas Street north of Stewart. Uh, that was in the path of the I-475 expressway. Uh, and uh, the Flint schools, it had a history of uh, racial segregation, mostly because of housing patterns, uh, because of restrictive covenants. Uh, but uh, when uh, Roosevelt School had to be closed because of the I-475 expressway, uh, uh, a new school was constructed, Williams School, uh, which also took over students from Lewis School, which was predominantly white, uh, because the adjacent Lowell Junior High School was uh, bursting at the seams, so, so Lewis School wound up being an annex of Old Junior High School. Uh, Williams School was built next to Whaley Park uh, on Minnesota Avenue at Utah, and that school became uh, racially integrated as a result. Although unfortunately, uh, with the drop in enrollment, uh, Williams School wound up being closed too. Right. Now there were businesses so on in the near downtown area, and not just businesses, but there were some very historic homes that uh had been torn down to make way for i-475 right exactly especially the uh the large fine homes that were built on uh, east kersley street uh, back when uh, flint was more uh, of a carriage builder as opposed to an automobile uh, company uh, builder and uh, some very noble uh, fine uh, buildings uh, found to being lost by the wayside one notable building that still stands is Whaley House, uh, which is right next to the uh, I-475 service drive. And that's now uh, a museum. Uh, of course, as you know, it went through a fire uh, in recent years, but it was rebuilt and redecorated. And now it looks better than ever. Yeah, it does indeed. And that neighborhood still has a few, uh, a few really uh, fine looking old Victorian style homes. Uh, sometimes in this development process, I'm sure you notice this in your work, uh, it creates problems when 
the expressway, for example, has created a lot of jobs and maintains a lot of jobs even to this day. Because Flint has a east-west, south state running right through the heart of it. It's there, it's, you know, it's downtown. While that's great, and it provides a lot of opportunity uh, for cargo freight, uh, you know, transportation through the city has become a hub in some ways. It also appeared the development of downtown because where those, where those uh, expressways went, they cut off neighborhoods from the downtown community so that, that in order to have retail downtown and have a thriving a central city, you have to have people and people nearby, hopefully, and that gives you a, a, a core. And for, you know, about 30 or 40 years, the, the city and, and along with the mosque have struggled to find a solution to that problem. Yes, I can think of uh, one example, like when the expressways went through, uh, the I-475, I-69 interchange wiped out a good chunk of uh, the Floral Park neighborhood, which was a historic black neighborhood. The Clark School was located there. Uh, and there is one jazz club that is still over in that neighborhood. Uh, but uh, that neighborhood, uh, parts of it's still there. But one aspect of that neighborhood, uh, Thread Lake, uh, which was once a, a thriving uh, place for recreation, uh, I-475 cut that off. Uh, of course, McKinley Park uh, alongside Thread Lake is still around, but uh, now it's hard to get to. Uh, have to take some side streets to get to the park. Uh, it was once a thriving amusement park that existed uh, until the Great Depression Lakeside Park. Uh, that, that was uh, taken over by city and became part of McKinley Park. Correct. And there's the, uh, do you know anything about the history of that naval? There was a naval station there at one point, Naval Reserve Station. Yeah, I think that's now a community center, which is barely used. Uh, when I looked over uh, at McKinley Park and saw that the community center, um, it was empty. So I don't know if they're using that now. Uh, and uh, if you go back in, into time, looking at some of these uh, some of these uh, areas of, uh, one of the things I was struck by when I uh, looked at some of your work were the churches that have been re repurposed. They've been repurposed initially to make them churches. Can you discuss any of that for us? Well, as for the churches, um, uh, many churches started out as storefronts or took over office space, but as they got larger, uh, they began to uh, uh, have their own church buildings constructed. In fact, in the 1920s, they were imposing and beautiful. Uh, but uh, as the demographics changed, uh, the churches either consolidated with other churches or moved to suburbs um, or just closed all together. Of course, uh, one that got a lot of attention uh, was a uh, I believe it was a Methodist church uh, that was located on North Saginaw, Hamilton, and it's now um, vacant and deteriorating. Oh, yeah. Now, when I, I can't remember if it was your book uh, or another one that I read, it said at one time there as many as 15 Methodist churches in the, in the city of Flint. 
and that it has now dwindled down to, I think, one or two. Yes, I, I recall that. Uh, most of those churches uh, did get sold and are now another denomination. But uh, I do recall, uh, for example, Asbury United Methodist Church uh, in the old east side, that's still around. Uh, and Calgary United Methodist on Flushing Road, that's still there. But as you mentioned, most of them have either consolidated or closed. Right. And, and so as you look around the community, you see, uh, you see churches that have been, have been raised. And you even see uh, buildings that were built to try and revitalize Flint that have also met the wrecking ball. Uh, in the more more current era, uh, such as Windmill Place. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about Windmill Place. Yeah. Windmill Place was uh, one product of the Doyle Urban Renewal Project. Uh, uh, that's uh, the part of uh, Flint, north of downtown, north of uh, Fifth Avenue, uh, between North Saginaw and the river, uh, where they took a lot of rundown of both residential and commercial buildings, uh, cleared most of them out except for Doyle School, which was built in 1902 and was uh, repurposed and expanded into Doyle Writer School. Uh, so they, they had the River Village, which was a uh, residential uh, development, uh, also a tall apartment building. And then there was a, both a, a commercial office area called Windmill Place which consisted of four buildings, uh, which had um, several places to eat, uh, some offices, an arcade, a bookstore, candy shops. Uh, and it was full, so, so full of promise. Uh, 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 Mayor Don Williamson and his wife Patsy Lou uh, uh, bought the building later on in the 1980s, but in the end, they sold those buildings uh, to a uh, a church back group, uh, which, well, didn't turn out that way. The, the tenants uh, abandoned it one by one. By one. And, and the largest of the four Windmill Place buildings, Building A, uh, it was it suffered severe uh, internal damage from a roof leak, and so it was decided to tear it down to make to make way for a family dollar store, as well as sufficient parking for for that family dollar store. Uh, which was freed by the demolition of Building A, uh, which faced uh, First Avenue, Fifth um, Avenue, I should say. Now, the uh, your uh, your book talked about the yours uh, uh, and some of the other history books that have been written talk about the disappearing Flint, the the uh, hidden stories of Flint because they're they're gone; they no longer exist. And some of those also go into talked about school buildings that have been torn down uh, and we haven't really talked much about factories um, to what extent is there any within the city of Flint factories left other than what exists out on this like road with the uh, truck operation the engine plant oh yes that'd be the engine plant and the and the uh the, the truck plant over on Vance Lake Road, which was expanded in recent years uh, to include a, a state-of-the-art paint shop. Uh, that is the, the major GM uh, development still there. They also have uh, in, uh, 
over on the Curse Street at Stevenson. Uh, they also have a, a tool and die plant that's still around, uh, which is what's left of the old Jeffy in the Hole. And then what was left of AC, uh, there is one old AC factory on Naval Avenue that is still standing. And um, I think a paper company uh, now occupies part of that space. Uh, and then GM uh, just uh, built a new parts facility in Burton, uh, which replaced a former AC facility uh, also in Burton. Now, uh, uh, Gary, the uh, you were we were talking before we got to start a little bit about buildings that weren't quite up the quite up standards. Uh, one of the reasons why some of these buildings have, haven't lasted the test of time, like we see in European cities, perhaps, is the construction uh, that took place with subpar. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what buildings those might might have been that you're referring oh, to? Oh yes. I can mention three high-rises in the downtown area that were built in the 1960s that didn't even last a half century. Of course, I can make one comparison uh, with the Durant Hotel, which was closed in the 70s, uh, abandoned uh, for decades, but because the, the bones were still uh, sound, uh, it was renovated and into apartments. Uh, on the other hand, uh, across Detroit Street, now MLK, was the Voyager Inn, which was built in the 1960s. Also went by the Warwick Inn, it was a Holiday Inn a couple of times. Wound up uh, being a home for, for the aged and I guess housing college students for a while, but it uh, got abandoned, was deteriorating, got vandalized, wound up being torn down. And then there was the old uh, YWCA on Stephen Street, uh, which wound up being too big for the YWCA's uh, use. So they, they moved into a much smaller facility in the Phoenix building, on the being torn down and replaced by uh, new residential housing. Most famous example, of course, was Genesee Towers, which was Flint's tallest building. But uh, after uh, the bank moved out, uh, it wound up uh, having uh, uh, more vacancies and the owner of the building, uh, I guess who bought it at an auction allowed it to carry even further and so um, it wound up being imploded. And in fact, I understand that uh, it was acquired uh, for I guess a dollar and the, and the, uh, the, the uh, property owners in Flint had to uh, pay uh, part of a, uh, a, a legal judgment, uh, which I was not happy about. Uh, but uh, so it was imploded. Uh, in fact, after it was imploded, it looked better than it did in years, just with just a five-story pile of rubble, which took about a year for it to clear. <laughs> well, that building was in bad shape uh, by the time it came down. How many stories was it, do you recall? I think it was 18 stories. Yeah. And, uh, and so some of these buildings, you know, uh, they didn't last 50 years, but we had other buildings that last a long time. Uh, when we look at our courthouse at the intersection of Court Street and Saginaw, it lasted quite a few years. Oh yes, I think that was the, the uh, third courthouse built on the site. Uh, there were other courthouses, uh, but it was destroyed by fire. Uh, 
And when the Genesee County Jail, uh, when that got replaced, uh, the uh, old jail um, was eventually imploded and the courthouse was expanded uh, to take over that site. Yeah, and uh, uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, what, what led me to you was, was movie theaters, in particular the UF-23. I want to talk about that and then I want to talk about the South. Can you give us a history of these? Let's start with the strip plazas first, uh, because these ha have an interesting history. Uh, the uh, Southland Plaza. Why don't we start with that one and give us just a little history of of those developments? Yeah, the Southland Plaza was the second uh, large shopping center Flint uh, had. Uh, like the first one, the Northland Plaza, which half of it is still standing uh, over at the corner of uh, MLK and Pearson Road. Uh, the Benton Road Southland Plaza was uh, built in the in the mid-1950s uh, by the Taltman Company, which later on was a leading uh, developer of shopping centers. It had its, its anchors, a uh, federal department store and, and the fair, uh, as well as several smaller shops. Uh, one tenant that's still, that's still there, it was originally Genesee Bank, now it's Chase, which does the branch over there. And later on, the Montgomery Ward uh, uh, built an addition to that plaza, which later on was a Hamdy supermarket and later on a Save-A-Lot. Uh, however, as uh, new shopping centers were built, uh, the older shopping centers wind up losing their tenants. Uh, so now uh, the Southland Plaza is mostly empty, unfortunately. And now Tomlin is the largest mall owner in America, by the way. Uh, that's Albert Taubman from Detroit. Uh, and then we, we had those twin projects that he did. I'm told that the one up, up on the north side was the first was the first uh, plaza that he, he developed. Yes, it was. It was anchored by a federal department store, which is in that uh, part of the, of the L-shaped uh, shopping center that's now gone, as well as the Kroger supermarket, which uh, is still, still landmark foods that where Kroger used to be. So if we look at the history of Flint, of, uh, at least the South Flint Plaza, I don't know that much about the North Flint other than I've been by a lot of times. The, the South Flint Plaza had quite a few merchants who who expanded their operation, if not relocated them to the plaza from downtown Flint. Yes, I recall that the fair store was originally located downtown, what is now uh, called the uh, Legal Services of Eastern Michigan building. Uh, after the fair uh, moved out, uh, it wound up being an office building, which was called the Atwood Building. Uh, after they opened up the Southland Plaza store, it served as an outlet store for a while before they closed it downtown. I see. And, uh, and the 23 drive-in there, uh, that, I don't know left of the drive-ins in the area but uh, obviously that one has a soft spot in the hearts of a lot of uh, of people from the area yes the it was the, developed by uh, Lou Warrington and a partner his son Lou Warrington jr uh, uh, took it over in 1955 he ran the drive-in for many decades uh, until uh, until he died uh, the family was thinking of uh, of uh, closing after a year, but 
then they leased it to uh, an operator, which uh, uh, later bought it uh, and made some changes to the drive-in, uh, taking out the in-car speakers and adding a third screen uh, in the drive-in theater, although it's, it's now closed because of the stay-at-home order, uh, which hopefully they'll be able to open up later on this summer. You would think that drive-in theaters would be safer as opposed to indoor theaters with the, uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, but it is the last remaining drive-in theater that's still in operation. There is also a drive-in theater graveyard, uh, the old Miracle Twin Drive-in over on East 4th Street. Uh, the screen towers are still there, but the other structures have been torn down. Uh, there's still the uh, attraction board up front, all boarded up, uh, and a lot of vegetation growing in the drive-in field in Burke. There were also other drive-in theaters, but they were torn down starting in the 1960s uh, because uh, the real estate land values had become uh, so so expensive it was cheaper to uh, redevelop the drive-in to something else. Like for example, the first drive-in theater that was built in Flint was the door drive-in theater at the corner of uh, South Road Highway and Athens Road. Uh, it was torn down in 1963, and the Dort Mall was built on that site. Who was the developer of the Dort Mall, if you recall? William Olex also uh, built uh, other drive-in theaters, for example, the West Side Drive-in Theater on Conner Road, and the Northland Drive-in Theater on North Park Highway uh, between uh, Stanley and Mount Forest Roads. When he tore down the Dort Drive-in, he built the South Dort Drive-in at the corner of South Dort and, Ma and Maple Avenue. In fact, the uh, the prefabricated screen tower at the South Road Drive-In became uh, the uh, second screen for the US 23 Drive-In Theater, as well as uh, the replacement uh, tower for the uh, uh, burned down uh, US 23 Drive-In Theater tower. And I think the uh, the original South Road Drive-In Tower was maybe about the, it was a much, it was a very large screen uh, about uh, 60 by 120, and the the two drive-in towers derived from the South Roads Towers, about 40 feet by 80 feet. Wow. And the third screen uh, was uh, built uh, utilizing the uh, used shipping containers uh, as the support for the screen. Very good. So, so you think that'll be there for a while? Oh, it's going to be there for a long time. There are not that many drive-in theaters left in Michigan. Uh, in fact, another normal drive-in theater uh, is in Coldwater, uh, which is still uh, uh, a thriving drive-in with two screens and run still by the same family. The oldest drive-in theater I recall that's still around uh, is the Highway Drive-In, uh, located between Carsonville and Sandusky over in the Thumb. So, Gary, we, we need to wind up here pretty soon, and, but I'd like to give you uh, an opportunity. Uh, you're writing this new book called The Lost, Lost Flint is the working title. And uh, your books are available, by the way, for, for purchase, uh, whereabouts, if I wanted to get one, where would I go? Well, uh, the uh, Barnes Noble store on Genesee Valley has been offering both books. Uh, you can also get it online through the usual online sources, including uh, Barnes & Noble through the website or Amazon, uh, as well as other places. Okay, show us the covers of those, so people walk out there and actually will... This is my first book. Uh, sorry about the picture being backwards. Uh, 
Remember Me Club Michigan Stories from the Vehicle City. That's my first book, which came out in 2010. And the second book, which came out in 2017, is Hidden History of Flint. All right, and they're full of historical uh, tales, uh, which you could go on for probably hours. But I want to give you a chance, uh, because I don't want to leave on a note that everything's being torn down. Uh, obviously, you're an expert at the development in, in this region and perhaps uh, in the Midwest. Is there, what is there for hope? What is there for the future? Well, with the water crisis, uh, giving Flint a lot of uh, attention. Uh, it has also brought some uh, uh, needed capital into Flint uh, with uh, redevelopment, especially downtown. Uh, right now, the old Jensie Bank building over at uh, Sagnon Kersley is uh, being redeveloped into a hotel uh, with uh, room for uh, uh, food wagons right behind it. Uh, the old uh, Ferris Brothers uh, building became uh, an incubator called Ferris Wheel. Uh, the adjacent Biden building was, re was restored uh, in it. And also, of course, most notably, the Capitol Theater was re beautifully restored. It's the last remaining movie palace that Flint has. And uh, of course, I can tell you stories about the Capitol Theater through the years. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that uh, this classic atmospheric theater that uh, John Everson designed uh, is is uh, is beautifully stored and uh, with the wedding uh, uh, booking shows over there. Very good. And so, do, do you see anything else in Flint's future? Looking down the road, what would you expect to see? Well, I expect to see uh, uh, more people, uh, especially with the housing prices the way they are. In fact, uh, next month. Uh, an episode of uh, House Hunters on from HGTV features uh, some uh, a family in Grand Blank wanting to move back to the city of Flint, and knowing the House Hunters format, they get a choice of uh, seeing some uh, houses in the city of Flint, and and they'll choose which one they'll move into. And uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing that episode uh, uh, when it comes on HGTV next month. So in all the uh... All the all the buildings and neighborhoods that you've studied, uh, what do you think was the most interesting to you personally? Well, unfortunately, in the era of segregation, where uh, uh, African Americans were only able to live in uh, some areas, uh, the Fuller Park neighborhood south of downtown was a thriving uh, place to go to. Uh, within walking distance downtown, uh, you had some. Uh, his uh, vibrant churches, the uh, Michigan Theater, now long gone, was located there for the movies. Uh, there were many businesses uh, that catered to everyone. Uh, for example, the People's uh, Furniture and Appliance Store on East A Street. Uh, unfortunately, they had to uh, move away uh, the I-75 Expressway uh, and wound up moving to Miller Road. Uh, and then uh, that's in just position to the old St. John Street neighborhood, which was in the shadow of uh, the uh, Fury factory with all the pollution. So if African-American families who, if they had the money, they would prefer to live in Royal Park as opposed to the St. John Street neighborhood. I see. So, uh, well, I appreciate your, your time. I wanted to ask one question about the Capitol Theater. Um, with your knowledge of history. Tell us a few of the 
more well-known people that we would know from other generations that have performed at that theater. Well, uh, when the Capitol Theater was built, uh, it opened in 1928, but that was right after talking movies came to be. So its life as a vaudeville theater was uh, unfortunately short. Um, so it was a movie theater mostly after after it was retrofitted for sound. Uh, it uh, wound up being just more of a movie theater. In fact, I'm going to mention one theater. Uh, the Blackstones uh, a restaurant is now where the State Theater used to be, uh, which was a, I think it was a seven-story building, but uh, after it closed in 1952, uh, it was uh, mostly gutted uh, and put down to one single uh, story with a high ceiling. Uh, the reason why I point out the State Theater is because that was where the, when the very first talking movie, The Jazz Singers, joined Alec Goldson, it had a slim premiere at the State Theater. In fact, in my Hidden History of Flint book, uh, I do show the poster uh, for uh, uh, the uh, Flint showing of the jazz singer. Just have to, ah, oh, here we go. Sorry about the backwards, uh, but uh, this is the uh, ad for the jazz singer when we play at the State Theater. And here's the photo. In fact, it's uh, at the over, over here, that was the State Theater, and uh, next to it was the Strand Theater, and next to that was the Mock Foundation Building. Uh, well, you're full of, of, of interesting tales of, of uh, my hometown, and I hope, uh, and I know that those who are listening will enjoy these stories and can, can learn more from your publications, and I look forward to getting a copy of your book, Lost in Flint. Uh, and I hope to be able to meet up with you again and, uh, and talk some more. Thank you very much for joining us, Gary. And thank you, Arthur, and uh, have a good day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye.